Thank you for listening to the Starburns Audio Podcast Network. We have so many great comedy shows to add to your playlist. Just last week on Starburns Audio, on Dumb Gay Politics, Julie and Brandy talked to fellow Bravo Levity, Cheyenne Shea, about all the drama happening this season on Vanderpump Rules. On Ghosted by Roz Dresfalez, Roz welcomes Jack Osborne to talk about his paranormal show, Portals to Hell, and some ghostly experiences at home with his family. On Natch Butte, Jackie and her guest, Laura Wilcox, get intimate and talk all about anus hygiene. On Y'all Ever, Dave and Hampton read listener stories about being banned from a place. Search Starburns Audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcast platform for a full list of our shows, featuring hosts like Joe Coy, The Scalar Brothers, and Miss Pat. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Starburns Audio. Enjoy the show, and remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep laughing. Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, The Kiss of Death. But first, your true crime headlines. The Supreme Court of the state of Florida has extended its suspension of jury trials until July 2nd due to the coronavirus pandemic. The suspension has been in place since mid-March, and legal experts worried that the unprecedented delay will lead to tremendous backlogs in the court system. To mitigate that, law enforcement officials have attempted to prevent cases from piling up by declining to prosecute for minor offenses and releasing some low-level offenders. According to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, there were 21,985 arrests in the month of April, which was a 50% reduction from March's 43,379 arrests statewide. Even with this drastic reduction in arrests, there are still thousands of people in legal limbo held in jails around the state. The state Supreme Court's order also added to the list of legal proceedings that can be done virtually, including non-jury trials, some arraignments and pretrial hearings, and non-criminal traffic cases. A group has been tasked with recommending what can stay online even after the pandemic ends, and some of the virtual proceedings may be here to stay. In Modesto, California, police arrested a man after he allegedly hopped onto a wine tanker truck and unscrewed a valve on the tanker, sending wine gushing out onto the highway. Gabriel Moreno was captured on the Freightliner's surveillance video driving next to the truck in a sedan on Highway 99. He activated his hazard lights, motioning for the tanker driver to pull over to the side of the road. Once the driver had done that, He watched as Moreno ran from his vehicle to the passenger side of the wine tanker dressed only in his underpants. The truck driver pulled back onto the highway, and the tanker's video camera captures Moreno again, this time on the back of the truck. As the truck continued down the interstate, Moreno was able to crawl underneath the tanker and unscrew a release valve, causing wine to gush from the tank. The truck driver was alerted to this after a gauge in his truck indicated that he was losing fluids from his tanker, so he called the CHP. Responding officers found Moreno situated under the open valve, gulping up the wine as it flowed out of the tank. The trucking company reports that nearly 1,000 gallons of red wine were lost in the incident. 
which is enough to fill 5,000 bottles of wine. Ink Master star Daniel Silva was arrested in Los Angeles and charged with murder after a drunk driving car accident that claimed the life of YouTube star Corey LeBerry. Silva and LeBerry were allegedly both drunk when they got into the car and sped down the street in the Valley Village neighborhood of the city with Silva behind the wheel. He drove a short distance before losing control of the vehicle and crashing into a stop sign and a tree. Silva attempted to leave the scene of the accident, but was stopped by some local residents who arrived on the scene to render aid. Both occupants were taken to the hospital after the crash, where LeBerry died of his injuries. The accident occurred on LeBerry's 25th birthday. Silva faces murder charges for the crash and is being held in custody in lieu of $200,000 bail. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, the kiss of death. But first, a quick break. These days, I'm finding it more challenging to stick to my health and fitness goals. One of my New Year's resolutions, for example, was to go to the gym more. Look, don't worry. Noom is here to help you stick to your goals, even in these uncertain times. Noom is the fitness app that knows that there are many reasons to practice self-care, and every person is different. Noom helped me personalize a new fitness plan to keep me on track now that I'm social distancing from my personal trainer. Noom teaches you why you make the decisions you make to help you build better habits based on your goals. And Noom helps you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyzing what you're eating and recommending healthy recipes. But Noom is not a diet. No food is good or bad or off limits. So whatever you're stockpiling during the pandemic, Noom will help you make it work. Right now, Noom is teaching me how to stop myself from stress eating all of my quarantine rations for a week in a day. That's because Noom is based in psychology. This app teaches me why I do the things I do and empowers me with the tools I need to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. Noom understands that you have a lot on your mind right now and you don't have to change it all overnight. And just because you're social distancing doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers so that you have all the support you need to empower your change in a challenging time. Small steps make big progress, even if they are just around your living room. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com mm. That's noom.com mm to start your trial today. What do you have to lose? Go to noom.com mm. Welcome back to Murder Minute. At around 9 p.m. on February 1st, 1953, a man was driving slowly through the fog on a back road outside of Niles, California, when he saw a figure waving down his car. It was a woman. He pulled over and offered his assistance. 
When he could see the woman more clearly, he noticed a bit of blood smeared across her face. In a thick German accent, the woman asked him for a ride to the nearest Greyhound bus station. He agreed. At the Greyhound station, the ticket seller remembered the woman. He would later describe her to police as being, quote, hatless, wearing a tan or gray coat, and carrying an overnight bag. The next day, not far from that stretch of road in Niles, William T. Pelton, a 26-year-old World War II veteran and airline mechanic, was found, propped up against his convertible, draped in a red hook rug. He had been shot nine times in the face, neck, and head. The blood on his forehead had been wiped away, and a bold lipstick kiss print had been planted there. The killing and the ensuing nationwide manhunt would soon become known as the Kiss of Death murder. William Pelton, known to his friends as Bill, was born on March 29, 1926, in Dent County, Missouri. In 1944, Bill graduated from Salem High School, and like so many other young men of his generation, enlisted in the military immediately upon graduating. He was joined by ten of his classmates. One of them was his friend Ted Ziske. The Bill Pelton I knew was honest and always on time for work, Ziske recalled, according to the Salem News. He was also absolutely an average young man, in appearance, intelligence, and physique. He was average, and he never got in any trouble. I remember we were on an intramural basketball team together one time, but again, we were very mediocre. Bill Pelton was assigned to the 143rd Ordnance Battalion of the U.S. Army during the war and rose to the rank of Staff Sergeant. Then, in 1945, following the Allied victory, Bill was stationed in Munich as part of the American occupation of Germany. It was there that Bill Pelton first laid eyes on his future wife. A strawberry blonde Bavarian beauty, six years his senior, there was an American bar in Munich which was really popular after the war, and I remember seeing her there often, recalled Charles Gross, another of Bill's classmates. She was very pretty and outgoing. We actually sat next to each other there once at the bar when she was on a date with another man. Her name was Hildegard Garney. On June 8th, 1947, the two were married, and Bill brought his new bride back home to Salem, Missouri. Hildegard was excited to begin her new life in the States, and Charles Gross was back home as well. I lived just down the road from the Peltons on Washington Street, and I remember bumping into her right in front of Vernon Butler's house, Gross recalled. We both recognized each other and were surprised to meet again in Salem. I asked what in the world she was doing there, and she said she'd just married Billy Pelton. I can't say I was too surprised. There were a lot of women in Europe at the time who wanted to come to the USA as wives. 
1949, Bill Pelton left the U.S. Army and moved to San Francisco, California with Hildegard. By 1953, the 26-year-old was working as an airline mechanic, had a fancy new convertible, and seemed to be doing well for himself. But there was trouble at home. On January 6, 1953, Billy Pelton obtained a decree of divorce by default from Hildegard without her knowledge. The couple were on their third separation, and Hildegard was living in Flagstaff, Arizona. When she learned of the divorce, Hildegard was furious. She quickly packed her bags and set off to confront her now former husband. But before she left Arizona, she purchased a Harrington and Richardson 22 caliber revolver. Hildegard returned to San Francisco and apparently attempted to reconcile with Bill. Neighbors would later tell police that they could hear the couple arguing in the apartment. On Sunday, February 1st, Bill had had enough. He packed Hildegard's bags and told her to leave. The couple left the apartment, arguing all the way, and went to a bar, where they continued to argue. Then they left and got into Bill's convertible for what would be his last drive. When detectives scanned the area for clues, they found a 22 caliber revolver wrapped in a brightly colored scarf, which was perforated with bullet holes. It had been tossed into the woods and was easy to spot. Inside the vehicle, they found several discarded bags packed with women's clothing. It wouldn't be long before the hunt was underway for Bill Pelton's missing war widow. The 32-year-old immigrant was named a fugitive from the law, and J. Edgar Hoover's FBI was soon on her trail. But Hildegard had already crossed the border into Tijuana, Mexico. Bill's friends back in Salem tried to make sense of the terrible news. I was pretty shocked. It was very unusual and unexpected, Ziski said. The incongruity that Bill Pelton could be involved in such a thing. He was absolutely the last person you'd expect to be murdered in such a way. Charles Gross couldn't imagine why Hildegard would kill him. Billy Pelton was not dominating or cruel in any way, and I can't imagine him being unfaithful, Gross said. I kept trying to explain to myself how such a thing could happen. I wouldn't have dreamed in my wildest dreams that this boy, who I used to walk to school with, would end up shot so many times in a convertible in California. The national press dubbed the crime the Kiss of Death Murder, and Hildegard herself became known as the War Bride. Bill Pelton's body was returned to his hometown of Salem, Missouri, and on February 4, 1953, received full military honors and was buried in the southwest corner of Cedar Grove Cemetery. As Bill's family and friends mourned, south of the border, Hildegard's exile in Mexico 
had come to an abrupt end. She was arrested in northern Mexico on a charge of vagrancy and sent back across the border to authorities in Arizona. Hildegard then spent a night in jail, under the assumed name of Helen Curtis. Police had no idea that the woman in their custody was the now infamous war bride. Hildegard was released the next morning. It was only during a routine check of her fingerprints by the FBI that they realized their mistake. By the time they did, Hildegard was long gone. She had hitchhiked to New York City, got a job working the concession stand at a Broadway theater, and rented a cheap apartment on West 47th Street in Manhattan. Then, on March 31, 1953, Hildegard was walking down the street when FBI agents finally caught up with her outside the theater. The marquee above her as she was being arrested read, Alfred Hitchcock's I Confess. And confess, Hildegard did. Federal agents said today a pretty German war bride found working at a movie theater candy counter here has confessed to the kiss of death slaying of her husband, reported the Madeira Tribune. FBI men arrested Hildegard Garney Pelton, 32, last night and prepared to return her to California to stand trial for murder. They said she readily admitted pumping nine bullets into her ex-GI husband, William Thomas Pelton, 26, and leaving his body in an automobile. Mrs. Pelton told FBI men last night that their marriage had never been a happy one, and they twice separated and reunited. They had separated the third time, she said, when she bought a 22 caliber pistol in January for the purpose of killing her husband. The arrest of the war bride was headline news nationwide. Described by one reporter as plump and gray-eyed, with strawberry blonde hair, Hildegard reportedly smiled and flirted with police, the FBI, and the district attorney while she confessed to killing her husband. I kissed him after the shooting, she said. In June of 1953, just three months after her arrest, Hildegard's trial began. Among those who testified was Mrs. John Nunez, who knew the Peltons in California. Mrs. Nunez testified that she was riding in a car with Hildegard and Bill when Hildegard said, I'm going to kill him, no kidding, I'm going to kill him. Mrs. Nunez said that Bill replied, I'm getting tired of waiting for you to do it. 32-year-old Hildegard Garney Pelton was found guilty of second-degree murder by a jury of six men and six women, rejecting the prosecution's argument for first-degree murder. Superior Judge O.D. Hamilton Jr. sentenced Hildegard to five years to life in the California Institute for Women in Corona, California. When the verdict was read, Hildegard was photographed showing no emotion, clutching a white handkerchief to her breast. In February of 1957, after serving less than four years of her sentence, Hildegard made headline news one last time when she was released from jail on conditional parole. 
As part of her agreement, Hildegard was deported back to Germany. What became of the war bride who gave her husband the kiss of death after she returned to Europe is unknown. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.